It's Darth Vader, watch out! And he's got a lightsaber! It's Kenner's new Star Wars action figures, each sold separately. I got you now, Ben Kenobi. With R2-D2 and C-3PO, there's even Chewbacca and Han Solo. Someone's coming, Chewie. Who's there? It's Princess Leia and Luke Skywalker. Now I know the Force is with us. Darth Vader, R2-D2, C-3PO, and other Kenner Star Wars action figures, each sold separately. And here we go. Gentlemen, we are tonight's entertainment. I told you already, I'm gonna kill you. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow. That's not how the force works. Very small man can cast a very large shadow. This <laughs> does put a smile on my face. Once more, the Sith will rule the galaxy. Impressive. Most impressive. You are on the Sith list. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode number 161 of The Sith List. I'm your host, Siraj Dolachahi, and my co-pilots for this evening's Around the Galaxy Adventure, the young, the restless, the Clark Gable-looking <laughs> mother effer that's sitting across from me, Mr. Carlos <laughs> Burguello. The man we call Crunch Crunch, the man who isn't here right now, but he is on his way here. He's in traffic. He's picked up some crazy shifts at work, so he's going to be a little bit late in the next couple of weeks. But he will be here. Do not fret. The man we call El Hombre. The rock god. The mighty Thor of all Thors when it comes to guitar playing. Mr. Eric. Is fairly awesome today. Oh, yeah? Just today. Strathers. Yeah, wow. just today, though. Okay, okay. We'll get back to that in a second. Tonight, we have a very, very special guest host. You might remember him from his great freelance work in the mid-90s with a little tiny corporation called Lucasfilm, if you remember the, the Topps Galaxy magazines. But for you young folk, you probably have heard him as the host of the phenomenal Around the Galaxy, a Star Wars fan podcast on the MSW network. He is a brother in arms with us. Please welcome Mr. Pete Fletcher to the Sith Lair. How you doing, Pete? I am great. Thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. How are you doing? Great. Thank you for coming on and welcome to the MSW family. And officially yeah. over the air, welcome you as a yeah. member of our family. It's been a lot of fun so far. It's great. Great yeah. uh, great shows, man. Really cool shows to be a part of. So a little bit of everything. Something for everything, right? Something yeah, for, yeah. For we got, yeah. Yeah, right. We got something for everybody, even the perverted people. That's <laughs> quite <laughs> true. Now, Eric, let me go back to you real quick. You are doing fantastic and I want to know why you're doing fantastic. Oh, man. You know, it's the kids are back in school. They're going to full, <laughs> school full time now. Uh, they needed the organization and the structure for sure. So, so yeah, that's good. And also, on a little side note, my band had the mother 
of all gigs this past weekend. Was it a huge festival, you say? No, it wasn't. It was a little town's street fair slash homecoming. But you know what? It was a Saturday night. We played from 6 p.m. until 10 p.m. I was home in my house with all my gear already put away by 11 p.m. with a stack of $100 bills in my pocket. Wow. They paid us cash money Damn. on the spot. A ludicrous amount of money to play this gig. What was the uh, fan favorite that night? Saturday night, it's all right for fighting? Honestly, I think it was this stretch of Journey songs that we do. Of course. Yeah. You can't go wrong with Everybody journey. gets involved. Everybody gets excited. Yeah. Right. Like, oh my God, Dude, it's Journey! Yeah. Here's the thing with Journey, man, and I think I really pinpointed it. Journey has great pop sensibilities. They have fantastic vocals, obviously. obviously. The songwriting's great. But you add to that the sound of the guitars. In Journey, it satisfies like the hard rock guys, uh-huh. but it also the pop sensibilities makes it feel like a pop song. Everybody loves it. It's a win, win, win. It is a win, win, win. Open Arms, great song. Great, like roller skating song. Roller skaters get out the couples <laughs> and join the floor. Or open arms. <laughs> I don't, oh, think I, I don't think I've ever heard a song of reference like this is a great this is a great skating well, song. Let me tell you why, boo. Now, now. <laughs> that is that is a that is a specific well, song. Gar- this song would be perfect uh, right on, now for uh, fucking hold, skating. Hold on, I guarantee you, Pete and Eric know exactly what I'm talking about. You millennial, right? Right, Pete. Do you, wait, do you wait. see how much white is in this beard? I I did the couple skate to the journey too. That's so, right. I, yeah. wow. Back then, there would be a couple song and you'd go out like open arms would be one, right? And you go out and you'd like try to get some on the dance floor. You know? Oh, yeah. Would you yeah, go would, all with light, right? Yeah, exactly. Where would you guys yeah. skate? What's that? At Where would you guys skate? What's that? Oh, fuck no, off. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, this, is, this is music that mommies and daddies listen to. Okay? <laughs> Boo, Pete, Boo's pretty good with like his musical taste because he grew up listening to classic rock and all that Thank good stuff. Thank God. Thank God. Yeah. So, so don't uh, believe him. Right? He, he does I'm have, fucking with he all does you have guys. good taste. He yes. does have good taste. <laughs> Somewhat. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad, Eric, that you're having a great, great day today and um, the, the kids are back in school. Boo, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It's hot. It's hot as hell over here, it's, guys. And, and, you know, that's a shitty thing about right now it's September, but September and August are essentially the same fucking month where it is just stale hotness. Yeah. There's no up. There's no down. It's like 95 to 100 every day. Yeah, I love summertime, but the end of it just really kicks ass where it's just like, or not, not in a good way, a bad way, where it's just, fuck, it's just hot every day. It's just stale, just unending hotness and you it's got just the summertime fun. sadness yeah, yeah damn right yeah it's hot but besides that no everything's good everything's yeah. good yeah pete how's your day going i feel remiss not to ask you <laughs> well i appreciate it thank you very much it's uh thanks for going good man i have zero complaints it, i'm in jersey though so we're about to uh you know we're a couple of days from football season and the yes, opening day of football yes, season we are. like the temperature goes from 85 to 65 so, uh, so i'm looking so forward to it cool off a little bit you're in johnny grosso country over there uh yes that's right yeah we love you johnny <laughs> are you a are you a giants fan like johnny is i'm a giant i'm a giants fan yeah, yeah good, yep. good for you yeah, i live i live right in the middle of jersey so i'm a giants fan but i'm a flyers hockey fan hockey's oh, my life so yeah me too i'm a huge hockey i played in college oh yeah yeah excellent yeah. who's your who's your team oh, the, mean, ducks. In- the ducks the ducks because well, right. we're born and raised in, well, not born, born in LA, but raised in Orange County and Anaheim. So 
All right. Yeah, still work there, but orange yeah. and black, orange and black West Coast. Hey, either orange way, and orange and black. Coast. Yeah, exactly. Eric's, Eric's going to kill us, by the way, because we're talking sports. But <laughs> whatever, <laughs> man. I used to be in the sports. <laughs> I heard the bad motivators today, and they were talking about fantasy football. So I think it's okay for us to talk a little bit about. It. I wanted to tell you a little story about what happened to me, if uh, I may, at the gym today. I was working out at the gym today, and I was doing, I did some arms, and I did some pull-ups, and I did some, some triceps, and then I went to go do some crunches on the ab machine, and then I looked down, and I noticed that my moose knuckle was sticking out. Oh. <laughs> like, my underwear, my, my shorts burst in the, in the crotch area. No, no, so wait a minute. You ripped your fucking shorts? I ripped my shorts, and my underwear was sticking out like a tennis ball. Thank God you're wearing underwear. You th- well, of course. I'm not going to have a workout without underwear. But <laughs> but it was just, and I don't know how, I don't know when it happened. It could have happened when I was on the treadmill. I, I was doing pull-ups and I was facing a bunch of people. So I, I, it was, I right when I looked down, I got up, I put my towel and I just stormed out of there. I, it was the most embarrassing thing. They're probably laughing at me on video right now. That was my uh, That's funny. story today. That's funny. Yeah. Dude. Back when, obviously, it was a long time ago when I was into bodybuilding, I was doing these <laughs> these two a days, and I was doing some deadlifts. This is early in the morning, mm-hmm. and I was like had had my wrists wrapped and was holding on to the bar and doing a set, and I was like in the middle of them, and I felt and heard something tear. And I'm standing there with my back to the gym, not 100% sure if it was just my underwear or my underwear and my shorts. Oh, shit. And I'm holding this bar with, a, you know, a few hundred pounds on it. And I'm like, well, I'm just going to have to finish up. Good news was it was just my underwear. And, oh, shit. That's and, the worst. And not my shorts, dude. Not the combo. Yeah. That's the worst. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was, yeah. Hopefully it's, uh, it's not going to be on YouTube later. Kudos to you for finishing, though. Yeah. (laughs) Embarrassment be damned. I I, I ran out of there. (laughs) So I'm out of here. Well, let's let's get into some stuff here, guys. Pete, I want to talk about... Let's get into some junk. Let's get into some (laughs) junk. Nice. Nice. Well done, boo. Thank you. Um, (laughs) Let's get into Pete's fandom and his history with Star Wars, because it's pretty rich in history. And let's talk about Around the Galaxy. I listened to the Noah Outlaw episode today. Uh, great, great job, by the way. Noah, Noah is such a great guy. I texted him yeah. right after I listened to it. I said, hell of a job on Around the Galaxy. And he said he had a blast with you. And I love cool. your long interview format. I love the podcast. So let the listeners know about your history with Star Wars and the, where they can listen to the podcast and what, how it all started. Yeah, sure. So back in, I won't give you the, the full three hour version of the story, but back in the 90s, I ended up, uh, I had one of the first, Star Wars uh, fan websites because um, they didn't exist. I mean, it was before even StarWars.com. It was actually, I think it might have been before Google. And I had a fan website. I was just, uh, I, I was, I, I fancied myself a writer. And so I saw, thought this would be kind of a cool thing to do. And a lot of people started contacting my website because this was around the time right before the special editions had come out. Uh, okay. back in 97, 96. Right. And uh, people were contacting my website because they thought I was affiliated with Lucasfilm for some reason, and they <laughs> wanted to know where Steve Sansweet was going to be because Sansweet was running around doing um, the convention circuit and showing video from the special editions. And, you know, back at that time, that was all we had. There was no YouTube. There was no way to find videos. So I, on a whim, called Lucasfilm one day to get Steve's um, itinerary, 
And lo and behold, they put me through straight to Steve. And that blew me away because I was a big Steve Sansweet fan. I had all his books along my shelf. And uh, I just started talking to him. And he was doing a ton of work for, uh, you know, he was the, I think he was the vice president of fan relations for Lucasfilm at the mm-hmm. time. And um, he told me, you know, I he was asking me about what this website thing was. And um, I told him that I wanted to, to do some writing. And he said, well, I've got more work than I can do. So send me some of your stuff. I'll take a look at it. Long story short, he liked what he read, and I ended up um, picking up a couple of uh, uh, columns for Star Wars Galaxy magazine. I wrote in about six or seven, I think, uh, uh, issues. I was contributing editor. I was handling a lot of the um, uh, the toy and fan uh, uh, sections, which was a lot of fun. Then about, uh, about a year and a half ago, for some strange reason, um, I decided that I wanted to write a uh, fan fiction novelization of the phantom menace because the phantom menace to me uh was always sort of the the bad movie version of a good book and that good book didn't really exist so i decided to write it myself or some i don't ask me why don't ask me what and you know it ended up being uh like 123,000 words i mean it's like full oh, novel it, it's it's downloadable on my website oh, cool. and so i jumped onto twitter because i wanted to let people know about it i didn't you know i just if i put the effort into it i just want to see if anybody wanted to read it and I started really speaking to a lot of people on Twitter, getting to know this fan community again. And um, I spent, uh, I was, I went on Jason Ward's show with him mm-hmm. and Randy. Now this is podcasting. Right. And I thought to myself, you know, one of the things I loved about doing Star Wars Galaxy magazine was I loved uh, talking to the fans. I mean, I did a story about a uh, some lawyer who like was into miniatures. And I did a story back in the 90s also about these two brothers in Florida that had built from scratch, like these six foot star destroyer models and things like that. So I really was into learning the fan story. So I decided that I wanted to start a podcast um, to get to know some of the fans that I had gotten to know through social media. And it just so happened that I also, not only am I speaking to guys like Noah and Jason and, you know, the guys from star Wars um, uh, news net and those sort mm-hmm. of things. Um, I've also been lucky enough to have conversations with uh Guys like Anthony Bresnikin and Steve Sansweet and just recently had uh, Christopher Sean, the voice of Kaz from Resistance on the show. Yeah. So uh, it's been really cool. And what what I try to do with the show is it's not about news and reviews and scoops because there's there's a lot of shows uh, out there uh, that do that. I want to kind of capture sort of what Star Wars means to uh, the fans, sort of a a chronicling or try to make it a little bit timeless i mean it's inevitable every show ends up having conversations about what's coming up and and whatnot but i'm really enjoying really getting to know all the the great people in the community and and um it's just been a blast it's uh you know we do about an hour to an hour and a half per show and it's one guest one hour and all star wars yeah and it's fantastic you brought that up about the community and now eric boo and i always talk about the best part about doing a podcast is the people that we get to meet at all these cons or via twitter or via email, DM. It's the community, when it's in a good way, and when it's in a good state, it's the best yep. thing about podcasting, really. Yeah, I, I love the show. I, I love the long the long interview format, and it's a one-on-one. It's it's fantastic. Thank yeah, you. Glad yeah. you like it. I'm always I'm always amazed when anybody downloads it, so I'm still I'm still pleased with that. But but you know, it's funny. I forgot what it was about. You know, sort of doing that interview thing and getting to know people that I love so much. Being away from it for you know 20 years or whatever was. Uh, was quite quite a while and um it's been really really interesting as you were just saying about getting to know people it's um there's such positivity and you know Noah and i talked a little bit about 
some of the the real shitty fans out there right, and the people right. who are just vicious and um you know i sort of that's one of the things that got me into it is i there was a, a podcast i won't name who it is because they've actually they're really they're very good but they had put up something very clickbaity about i don't even remember what it was about so and this is before i had my own podcast and i was just starting to get really back into the social media space with uh with the community and um i reached out to him and i was like is that really what you mean with that headline it, you know clearly you're just trying to and he was like, oh, no, I didn't mean anything by it. And I just talked to him, and it was refreshing to be like, to have a conversation with somebody and realize that they weren't trying to be an idiot. They were just, they were trying to be, you know, they were trying to get attention. I get that. Right. But there's just so many, you know, assholes out there with the, the whole Phantom Menace, oh. uh, fandom menace thing that I just don't, I just don't get that. And it's, I, I don't understand the amount of anger and aggression somebody can put towards something that they claim to to like so much it makes zero sense to me so we try to steer clear of that and i i do though like to give people the opportunity to talk about it and you know air air what the reality is about it yeah as much as the great part of the community is meeting everybody and, and talking and coming together the ugly part of it is that what you just said and and there's a lot of them out well i don't even know if there's a lot of them out there I, yeah i don't think there's as many i think but it's, it's just a very just, loud voice right yeah. exactly what is yeah. that saying empty can makes the most noise or rattles the most noise or something like that. Is that what it is? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, in this, this, what you're talking about, this is one of the the things that actually has been going on in star Wars this week that splits this right down the middle and has both ends of this. And you know that you don't want to give the, the negative part of it very much attention, but if you guys have been, if you've been on Twitter and you like star Wars, there's no way that you've missed this. It's uh, this girl named, she goes by Mar. And Mm -hmm. it's her name's Miranda and she's been live tweeting all the She's watching the Star Wars movies (laughs) for the very first time. Right. And it has been an awesome ride and it's gotten so much attention and and people have had a lot of fun, like viewing the movies through her eyes and just like the crazy observations she comes up with and just like the names she's come up for the characters and all this. It's really good stuff. And like Hamill has has uh, replied to her and stuff and Ryan Johnson, Ryan Johnson has, yeah, and all this stuff. And people, people think that's great. Except <laughs> I guess either star Wars.com actually the star official star Wars Twitter account reached out to her, but then also they asked her to be on the star Wars show and people who have, well, I've been a fan forever oh, and for play. And then they yeah. start crapping on her to the point that she's tweeting about feeling terrible. That she's made people feel this way. And I'm like, that's the part. That's the part about it that sucks right there. And I was I couldn't believe that somebody took something so innocent and and turned it into something that it's not. And it's such a bummer because suddenly now, (laughs) hey, I was enjoying this thing. And oh, my goodness, there can't possibly be one negative thing about this. It turns out you're wrong. And so yeah. how you how you can have both sides of this are, are centered around one one subject is pretty it's frustrating and sort of amazing all at the same time, I guess, for lack of a better way of putting it. Well, Pete, OK, we know you love the Star Wars. Now, what other the Star Wars, the, the, Star Wars, the wars? We know <laughs> the we wars. love the wars. What's some other stuff that you're into uh, fandom wise? Marvel, DC. Are you into Game of Thrones? So I was really into Game of Thrones. It's funny. I was just talking uh, to somebody about um, how, and it, it's got kind of a potential Star Wars uh, impact is the, uh, after the backlash 
of the end of Game of Thrones. Which, frankly, here's my position on that. Not that you asked, but in case you want, no, I, wa- I want to know. I definitely uh, want to know. <laughs> I liked the ending. I just wish they took two seasons to get there. Like, I have no problem right. with where anything went. It just felt rushed, right? That's, that's exactly what we felt. Could ending have been better? Sure. Was it disastrous? No. No. It wasn't no. disastrous. But like I said before, it's this tumbleweed effect that happens to yeah. not just Game of Thrones, but everything in fandom. If somebody goes out and dislikes something, the momentum starts building and building and building. Yeah. Now everybody hates it. Mm-hmm. But as so, a result, interestingly, I've never seen uh, or I've never noticed a fandom dissipate as quickly as it has at the end of Game of Thrones. People gave 10 years of their life to this series and now nobody talks about it. Right. And so that's that's bizarre. I mean, I again, I, I love the Game of Thrones uh, series and everything about it. I, I'm a fan of the, the MCU. I realized that I've never seen an MCU movie twice in the theater. I saw Solo four times in the opening weekend mm-hmm. and not because I'm well, yeah, I am a little obsessed, but I, I had four different groups of <laughs> friends that wanted to see it and my kids. Um, right. But I've never seen an MCU movie more than once in the theater. When it comes out on digital, I end up watching it a bunch of times with my kids. But sure. so, but I, I love the MCU. So that's great. You love all the stuff that we love. And I know you have great taste in music. We're going to talk about that a little bit later because we had a conversation. <laughs> yeah, we had a conversation. And you play the bass. Eric plays the guitar. I, I play nice. the air drums. We're, we're set. Great. That's all you need. That's all you need. Yeah. The first Skype band. The first Skype band. That's right. Oh, shit. Les just, just, by the way, everybody, Les just walked in and scared the living shit out of me. Just walks behind me, sits down. He's ready to go. Les, say hi to Pete and Eric. Hi, Pete. Hi, Eric. What's up? Hey, buddy. Hey, Les. What's up? How was traffic, my man? Uh, It's just been... It's been a crazy day. Yeah, let's leave it at that. Okay, that's fine. (laughs) So we haven't even got into really any kind of fandom or geekdom. We're just talking about Pete's amazing fandom and his history with Star Wars and all that great stuff. And, oh, okay, cool. And Pete is on the same page with Game of Thrones ending as we are. You got, I'm not going to tell you because I'm going to make you listen and get the download. <laughs> I get the download. I have to resubscribe. You have to resubscribe? No, I'm joking. How dare you right now? <laughs> Son of a bitch. Oh, hey, how conceited oh, do you think I am, dude? Like, honestly. Hey, your one download helps. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm just not that conceited, man. Oh, my gosh. Pete, I can't wait to get into all this fandom with you. You, you ready to do this? Let's do it. Okay. So before we do this, let's talk about our amazing podcast network that Pete and all of us are on. We are proud members of the Making Star Wars Podcast Network. Tune into podcasts like Now This Podcasting, Blue Harvest, Steel Wars, Rogue One, Podcast 2187, First Order Transmissions, The Cargo Hold, Kessel Run Radio, Fingered by Randy and Jason, Tatooine Sons, and Around the Galaxy, a Star Wars fan podcast. You might have heard of them. Listen to those great podcasts. Go to MakingStarWars.net to find all those podcasts, and you can listen to any of them. Go to the sitlist.net as well for any kind of uh, episode listening and for our T public site and all that great stuff. And email us at the sitlist at gmail.com. And that's your shenanigans. I wanted to do it really quick because I want to get into this crazy week of fandom, starting off with the box office. Coming from boxofficemojo.com. This weekend sees the 2019 summer movie season come to a close with the second worst weekend of the year so far in which the top 12 generated combined $69.5 million. Mm. The summer performance currently ranks as the eighth largest summer of all time, in which the domestic box office generated $4.22 billion. But that's down 4% compared to last year's summer total, which actually saw the box office rise considerably compared to the dismal 2017 summer. So, number one, Angel Has Fallen has repeated at $11 million. Good Boys, 9.5. And The Lion King, still in the top three. 
Nobody's seen Angel Has Fallen, correct? Still? Nope. Nobody will see Angel Has Fallen. Nope. Okay. Nope. Just want to throw that out there. And that's your box office report for the week. It too comes out this week. Yes, it and does. And we're going to go see it probably on Saturday. And Boo's going to get scared shitless. That's the plan. Early reviews say it's pretty damn good. And Bill Hader, I've read this on maybe 10 different reviews. Bill Hader steals the show. He just kills it in this thing. It's about damn time, dude. That he gets he's, some pr- he, oh, yeah, he's, the best. he's really damn good. So. Yeah, he's, he's awesome. Didn't Bill Hader, if I'm not mistaken, didn't he come up with BB-8's voice, like concept-wise? Eric, help me out here. Now, I don't know about that. I do know that he is listed as one of the voices. But, yeah, I think it's BB-8's voice. him coming up with a concept for it, I don't know. Yeah, I think that's, I heard that somewhere. And yeah, the show from, Barry is fantastic. Oh, go ahead, Pete. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, from what I understand, he, he put in like placeholder for BB-8. Oh, so, is that and, right? And that's, then they put the, the electric, electronic sounding over him. But, Very uh, cool. I, you know, don't, I don't know for sure, but that's what I, what I heard. You I'm heard not it here adding first. much more than Eric Pete did, is the source. You heard it here first. <laughs> We're wrong DM Pete, not us. Just kidding. He also designed Kylo Ren's costume. No, I don't know. <laughs> oh, I was, I was hook, line, and sinker on that one, dude. I was sold. He also straight down the river, dude. was the ghostwriter for episode eight. So all you haters, <laughs> send him some him DMs. If you don't like The Last Jedi. Yeah, fucking send him a message. <laughs> oh, Lord. So yeah, weak box office. I'm sure it too will considerably boost that for this and in october we're going to have the joker which we're going to get into uh, Mm -hmm. in a sec is it the joker or just joker i think it's it's just joker is it just joker all right fuck off (laughs) (laughs) let's get into what i've been waiting for because we have pete here and we have eric here i think it's time for a little star wars news there's not, man. Well, oh, let me let me back that up. There is, if you want to be at least not 100% for sure, all of it spot on, but there's tons of spoilers out there. And if you want to know all the spoilers, they can easily be found. And, uh, you know, our friend Jason Ward at makingstarwars.net has the skinny on a lot of that. Me personally, I'm trying to go in relatively spoiler free. At least I say that. But I was about to say, at uh, least you, you say that. Yeah, we're not gonna we're not gonna talk about them. But if you want to know about them, they're easy to find. So just go do it. If you don't want to be spoiled at all, you may consider staying off of the internet for three months or so. Uh, it's weird. Yeah, it's weird that it's it's so early because it's not like we're three weeks out. It's we're a long way out and all of it's hanging out there. So, yeah, just be careful if that's not your bag and just be considerate of other people. Okay, if you're all in and you want to shout it from the rooftop, just realize that not everybody does. It's kind of like me talking about Taylor Swift and I see people rolling their eyes. It's kind of like that. So just, you know, (laughs) keep it to yourself. But uh so <laughs> we talked about Mart. I personally, man, I think that's great. I would, I love seeing people being introduced to Star Wars, and especially right now where they can blast through all these movies right before the end of the saga. It that's that's a very unique position to be in because we've all had years and years to just turn these <laughs> over every second of footage 
because that's all we had for so long. And to see like the fresh take on it when you're going from movie to movie to movie, it it's those kinds of things that remind you of why you love it. I think. Mm -hmm. So that's really cool, man, to, to experience that with somebody else. I'm, I'm kind of curious of what she's going to think about episode nine and if they'll just invite her to the premiere. <laughs> they probably they probably will, man. I swear. That's probably where they probably it's headed, will. man. Damn. Good for With her. Twenty five thousand followers, they're gonna want to use her as an influencer. You know, it's funny you were saying about seeing the movies for the first time. So I have a now ten year old daughter, she just turned ten, and we were um we were gonna do a series on my, my podcast, but it's kinda hard to, to, to do it that way. But we've watched we just started watching each of the movies. Um front to back and um, she had seen a new hope, but she really hadn't seen the other movies. And what was interesting to me was to watch her. She didn't make the, the Senator Palpatine Darth Sidious connection until the third film, which I mean, think about it from our perspective, right? We all went in and we knew, right? We knew if nothing else, we knew it was the same actors. So of course it made sense, but (laughs) to her, she had, she had no idea. And when, he revealed himself. She was like, "Oh wow!" So oh, like that's that, cool. That was her reveal, which is pretty like because she won't get the Darth Vader is uh, right. Luke's father because that's given away in the third film. So her reveal came earlier. So I, I, that was just kind of cool to to get that perspective on the films from somebody because again that that's might be one of the reasons why some people have problems with the prequels is because we know what the story is. Sure. But if you don't know the story, maybe the prequels are, are a lot better than you think they are. So it was, it was interesting to watch that. Absolutely. Boo, you saw the prequels after you saw the original three. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm really looking forward to the show Malik and I still haven't figured out what order I want to do it, but I cannot wait. That's not going to be the father highlight to sit in down and watch the films. Mm -hmm. It's going to be amazing. I cannot wait, man. I already had him watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre the other day. He pooped, he pooped <laughs> which, himself. Which one? Good, good well, idea. the original. The original. No, no, no. You, right, the one which with, one do you start with? Matthew McConaughey, right? No, no, no. The very first one. No, but isn't there one with like Viggo Mortensen and Matthew McConaughey? I don't know. I didn't watch that. And Renee Zellweger. Didn't they all get their break? I don't know. You took this too, way too far. I was just, just joking about this. <laughs> I I, I, you actually know the history of the I, sequel, I the know that, yes. Massacre, yeah. yeah, I think it's all three of them have gotten their break uh, at some I, point. I feel like their you break. Just, yeah. You were just getting ready to be well actually on that. I know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Wait till Malik grows up and tells us exactly what, the one he saw. Yeah, I know. I didn't show him. He's like, Dad was a dick. I was scared. And Matthew McConaughey was running around like crazy. He's like, I literally shit myself. Yeah, exactly. He's like, everything was not all right, all right, all right. No. He's just a baby. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. But, Eric, I I saw that John Williams had some shenanigans over the weekend. He was doing his Maestro concert. I think I was at the Hollywood Bowl. And he talked about the ending a little bit. Uh, Yeah, he... And what's cool, man, is he he says that we're going to love it, which I think is endorsement enough for me. I I wish I could have been at that concert because I heard he did several encores. Mm-hmm. But to know to know that somebody who's been there all the way through it and like where his satis- satisfaction level with it's at, I think that's that's pretty cool. And and I, I don't want to use the term comforting because I'm going to like the movie because I like it, not because some other high profile person did, but, it, but it's just neat to see like plainly how he feels about it emotionally. That always makes it a little more special for everybody when the, the creatives and creators are emotionally invested in it also. Oh yeah. You, you think JJ Abrams like 
panics a little bit every time anybody talks about anything related to the <laughs> yes. film. You think it's like, yes. oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. Yes. <laughs> But he was he was pretty careful. He said, "I won't say anything about it other than the ending. I think will just put you all away. I think you will love it." And that was after he did Freebird from his second <laughs> second encore. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm doing mentioned. a slow clap. I just yeah. don't want to do it super loud <laughs> Thanks, because man. you know the microphone and all. yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking speaking of episode nine, so this is this has been kind of in the Star Wars news, and this is Anthony Daniels at D23. He was talking yeah. about. Uh, you know, wrapping up shooting. And this is sort of the back end of the story that we had already heard where Oscar Isaac was talking about his last day of shooting. And then it turns out it was, it was Anthony Daniels too. And nobody cared what Oscar Isaac had to say about it. <laughs> right. But, uh, <laughs> but, but uh, Mr. Daniels was saying that uh, JJ had said some really nice things and all the crew, I'll just actually, I'll just read it. And all the crew were listening and watching. I have to admit it was an emotional moment, but I knew it was coming. It wasn't even a scene in which I said anything. For once, 3PO was in a scene without butting in. But I felt it's such a terrific movie that I thought it was okay to say goodbye. I feel satisfied with this one. I have something to be proud of that you know as I say goodbye. So, obviously it means something to him. He's he's done the character in every single format that there is, including the Lego the Lego Star Wars voice and all that. Yeah. But uh to know that, that he feels really good about the movie and thinks it's great. And again, I come back to <laughs> there's always a chance it's just lip service. He just he just <laughs> tried not to be he fucking hates I, it. I try not to be yeah. I try not to be that cynical. Listen, you asshole. You get out there and you say this movie's good or else we'll kill you. But but no, just to see that the people are emotional about it and that they, they're excited for us to see it too. That's really cool. That it, they're making it and I mean, this is a part of what actors do. They're making it not about them. They're making it about the experience for us. All right. Is there any, uh, other side? I know the, there was that Mandalorian picture. Looks like someone's shelf display. Well, no, it looks like a hot toy display Ooh, to me. It does. Good one. That's right. Yeah, yeah. it does. It looks yeah, like I, someone's shelf checking people. It just hit me. That's like, right. Hey, guys, this is what's on my shelf. And that's a credit. I, I thought I was... I thought I was being all clever when I posted on Twitter that it looks like a diorama of somebody's action figures. And then everybody was like, yeah, we all think that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it really did, man. Oh, I, when I saw it, I, I thought it was a, a toy so shot. First thing. It yeah. never occurred to me that, that was real. And then I was like, well, I don't know, man. The soft goods on the Mandalorian's pants, it does look like actual cloth. I wonder who made that. It's so weird that it looks like that it's so weird that toys toys you know in Hot in, toys, in parentheses yeah toys action figures things for kids look that look bitching enough that we could be sold that this you know yeah this true. could be hot toys Great you point. know it could be hot toys you know these are supposed to be action they don't figures. look like my old he-man no exactly exactly you know the, <laughs> the the paint's not peeling off the eyes aren't in the wrong spot right. or any of that shit this looks amazing like this could be if somebody I I would not be able to tell whether or not this was a Hot Toys or not. Yeah, yeah exactly. and that's incredible. It is incredible. Kudos to Hot Toys and everybody else who does speaking stuff of toys, like that. Speaking of toys, real quick, I was listening to this podcast called The Bad Motivators. A guy named Eric Struthers is on it. And what I wanted He's to, great. Yeah, he's pretty good. He's pretty good. Yeah, the, the other two guys are pretty good, too. But what I wanted to ask Eric is they have a segment every episode, I believe, every episode mm -hmm. yeah, that talks about how, don't act like you listen to them. Last no, it's time. called Who Got What? Am I wrong? Well, somebody's been doing his homework, Les. Good for you, dude. Good for you. Okay, hold on. 
they talk about something <laughs> that each one of them has you know, bought from yeah. the last week. Yes. Where the fuck you guys get all this money? You to guys buy shit, buy shit every week. <laughs> What the fuck do you guys, I was in my car today and they're like, yeah, well, I went to Target and I bought myself this and this. Every week you guys buy something cool. Uh, please explain yourself. Okay. There's they don't a live certain in California. Level. There's, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Seriously. That's, that's number one, man. That our cost of living is way, way lower than your guys. But there's also a certain level of irresponsibility you have to be willing to accept. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I know because, it's a problem. Let's not talk about it. Because seriously, like I was thinking, oh crap, you know, because uh, Triple Force Friday's coming up and I've got these pre-orders that are, you know, liable to just go through any second now that suddenly all this money is going to come out. And and so did you see my shelf of mini Falcons, the picture I took? No, I did not. That's what I call it. The shelf of mini Falcons, because I've got my, uh, well, I've just got several Millennium Falcons up on this shelf mini falcons cool. you got life-size falcons you got mid-size falcons you got all kinds of falcons yeah i do here i'm gonna send it to you right, right. now but anyway it, it it is it is pretty crazy man when i look around and think about the amount of stuff i have that i am in a spot where i've got more room than most people to house all this stuff and i have to start thinking about what can i get rid of to make room that does show you that it's a problem it is, yeah. That's how, how, I mean, I enjoy this segment and just surprised that you guys do it every week. You're just dumbfounded. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. I wish I could do that. For me, I have the same problem with things being taken out of like Baycott, but it's it's festival season. Like mm. when it's festival season, oh shit, the Coachella tickets are going to go through this week. First payment or I'm going to Kaboo this next weekend. Oh shit, I got to go to another festival. So that happens to me, but it's with music festivals, not not toys. But I kind of wish it was toys because you can keep the guy for second toys. It will be soon. Yeah, it will be soon. That's true. <laughs> That'll be your excuse. Well, Malik needed one. You know, yeah, I, right. I needed a. Well, get my brother this one. bought me these cool action figures, uh, figures from Disneyland, like droids. Like dro- they have like special ones you can only buy at Disneyland. Uh-huh. And he bought them for Malik, but I fucking took them. Snatched them. Yeah. <laughs> He's not gonna know. I mean, it's like two months. What's he gonna do? <laughs> so we're, we're all guilty to- of that. Yeah. I was trying to think of what big, big ticket item I was going to get my kids for Christmas. Last year, I made them lightsabers. So I build lightsabers. It's pretty cool. And I, so I made them some that are got a lot of advanced features, but are simple enough that like they could probably run over them with a car and they'd be all right. Right. But how do you top that? What do you do now? You can't. Yeah. That's the problem. I'm just done. That was it. That's why for Malik's first birthday, I'm going to just get him a piece of Lego. Just one. Just no, one, you know, just, funny you just say just that because yeah, yeah, just one Lego. That means they can just build on it every year. And by the time he's like, <laughs> you need to be big enough to not fit in his mouth, though. Oh, that's true. By the time he's that's the first thing he's going to do. Thirty years old, he'll be able yeah, to... he can build a Falcon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. No, it's funny so, you say that because I was excited because I was like, sweet. I'm gonna get him a Lego set. I gotta get one too. Oh yeah, you know, yeah, you know, yeah, you know. I bought the eight hundred dollar, you know, gigantic, uh, you know, Millennium Falcon. I'm gonna build it with him. All right, you go sit in the corner. <laughs> yeah, be quiet. It's gonna stay in my house. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You Come go on sit the weekends there. and look at it. Yeah, exactly. Don't you fucking touch it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so here's the reality on Star Wars Legos. I have a, a seven year old son, and uh, a couple of years ago, I got him the um, when he was five. For some reason, I decided to get him the Poe Dameron X wing, which oh. of course I. I put together and uh by the time i came home two days later it was busted up all over the living room so so right now i'm like i'm this close to buying the uh i want to get the 
the UCS uh, blockade runner. Right. Oh, but I, I, I can't oh, let him. Man. I can't let him see that I get it. So I'm gonna have to get him some some little I don't know snow speeder or something and say you go figure this one out. I'm gonna play with this one. But <laughs> I, I mean, my 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 son he loves the Legos. He loves to watch me put them together and then he loves to smash them. So oh, that's <laughs> crushing. That is literally crushing. That's crushing. It's, it is, well, today today was the first time. So as I said, I got, I got my my son. He's he's the best and he he loves Star Wars like I do. But today was the first time I had to tell no. I have an Orson Krennic Black Series in a box. And uh, he walked into my office here, and he's like, "Can I open this up?" And I was like, "No, no." Uh-huh. <laughs> that sucks. That's gonna be me, man. No, and and the funniest thing is, you got to explain to a kid. He's like, "All right, Dad, these are toys, right?" Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. No, they, they they are toys. Yes. So, what do you do with toys? You play with them, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. Great. Why can I open this one? You just can't. You just can't, son. I'm sure, it just can't I'm happen. Sure Eric has gone through this. Yeah, every day. dude. Yeah. This okay. This is a true funny. story. I ordered something, and I was going through this thing for a while where I wanted to have duplicates of everything. And I don't remember what it was, but I've got two of them, and they're sitting on my dining room table. And my daughter gets home, and she's like, "Oh, Dad, is 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 one of these for me, and one of them's for Henry?" Oh no! And she goes, "Oh, is one of them for you?" And then Henry and I are sharing the other one. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh awful. my god! That's so <laughs> At that point, I was just giving the kid. Yeah, yes, you guys are going to share. Yes. Oh, that's rough. Damn. This, well, this is how I got in. Like, I I don't collect as much as I used to. Uh, I'm really big into the Funkos, but I open them. And the reason I open them is because I've started with the Smuggler's Bounty two or three years ago, and it was a Force Awakens box set, and it came in, and my son and I were going, we were opening it. And I walked away for two minutes to go into the kitchen, and my son had ripped open the TIE pilot. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? We're just going to open these. So I just have them all displayed, open it up, and I'm not too worried about them. Uh, but I do have to say, I, I just I was talking to the uh, the Force Toast uh, group tonight, and they they gave me a, a name that I, I need to share with everybody I know. They uh, she called them the uh, one of the, one of the uh, I think it was Laura called them the um, the precious moments for nerds, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's exactly what that's, the perfect, that's exactly what they are. That's pretty good. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> they're they're great, by the way. We're going to have them on our podcast next week, so we're really excited about that. Wine oh, drinking, we, beer drinking. We're awesome. going to have a, yeah, they're awesome. Yeah. So a little plug. Wow. Anything else in the uh, Star Wars world, there, Mister Strathers? I don't have anything, man. Yeah, I don't think so. I think we went through that little galaxy far, far away. I think it's time for reboots and remakes. Hmm. And this one <laughs> is a man in motion. I'm just gonna say that and see if oh, our, God. Uh, see if if Eric and Pete know what I'm talking about. I could see uh, it getting there. Yeah, is it yeah. saying almost fire? There it is. There it yeah, is. Yeah, that's what I where I was at. NBC is turning on the lights and opening up the bar again for Saint Elmo's Fires TV series remake, the 1985 coming of age classic. Which cemented stars Emilio Estevez, Rob Lowe, Andrew McCarthy, Demi Moore, Judd Nelson, Ali Sheedy, and Mayor Winningham. <laughs> Again, out of all that, who the fuck's Mayor Winningham? <laughs> oh. As core members of the 80s Brat Pack is developed into a modern day remake by NBC, which has tapped Josh Berman to pen the script. And this comes from The Hollywood Reporter. Um, and the St. Elmo's Fire, if you don't know what we're talking about, was a film by director Joel Schumacher. It was a huge hit. And it was about a college, bunch of college friends going in a different direction some were alcoholics and druggies and 
But it had a great theme song. It had an instrumental <laughs> one, and they had Man in Motion. And you can hear it in the background. I'm playing it as we speak. Oh, goodness. So, San Jose Fire, big fan, Eric? Oh, yeah, dude. I mean, that was one of those movies. It was right there in the middle of all those really cool movies. Mm-hmm. And by the way, Mayor Winningham, she's been in a billion things. I'm sure she has. Right. But when you, when you, how when, dare you? Well, hold on. When you, Pete, it's not a household you, name. I'm going to go to Pete. Yeah, it's not a household name like the other ones. Come on. Mayor Winningham was the one that was in love with Rob Lowe in the film, correct? And she was very like plain and petite, and Rob Lowe always like used her. Uh, I thought was Demi that? Moore was the one. No, no, that Demi Rob Moore Lowe... was Demi Moore was the coke addict. Okay, I know my son was fire. I don't know any of it. <laughs> I uh, made Lorena, my wife, watch it because I was like, "This is going to be great. You're going to love it." It just did not hold up, and she's like, "This, this is fucking awful." I'm like, "No, it's not. I swear, this is really good." But it's, it's it, 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 I'm confusing Saint Emily's Fire with, with Saint Elsewhere. Oh my god! Saint <laughs> Elsewhere's where Denzel Washington show. actually. That's yeah, right. I was show. like, "Wait, where's Denzel Washington yeah. in any of this?" Saint Elmo's Fire, man. All right, whatever. <laughs> Let's move on. They're making a series. Yeah, they're making a series. They're making a series. So basically, they're making friends. Well, uh, with drugs. Yeah, yeah, series. Friends. It's it's not going to do well. It'll last like eight episodes. But we have a section called reboots and remakes. That's right. I get it, man. I'm not. I'm not shitting on it. Whatever. Let's talk a little pop culture breakdown because we got some stuff. We got a an email from Lumberjack Nick that I think that Eric Struthers is going to enjoy. Les, you want to read this email? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, y'all. So I'm not writing in to talk about how ecstatic I am over the Rise of Skywalker or the Mandalorian trailer or even the amazing news of finally getting the Obi-Wan series confirmed. None of that stuff is relevant. No, I'm joking. Uh, I'm not even writing in to talk about how vastly devastated I am of the departure of Peter Parker from the MCU. No, I'm writing in to talk about the biggest news of all. Lover, the new Taylor Swift album. (laughs) While I wasn't the biggest fan of Reputation, 1989 might be the Sgt. Pepper of our generation, in my opinion. Wow. Lumberjack Nick, huge Taylor Swift fan? The theme of Taylor... Nick a 12-year-old girl? The theme of Taylor (laughs) Swift's lover. Time out, Pete. The reason why Eric is a massive Taylor Swift fan. Massive. (sighs) You wouldn't believe it, but he is. He's a massive fan. Okay. The theme of Taylor Swift's (laughs) lover is right there in the title. These 18 songs are odes to the things she loves most and knows best. Calvin Harris... No, <laughs> her boyfriend and her mom, the West Village and the West End, and mm. always and forever on a Taylor Swift album, being in love. Wow, look at Lumberjack Nick. It's an exuberation. It's an exuberant celebration <laughs> of the challenges of maintaining a relationship through seasons and across continents of telling the truth and saying sorry. John Mayer wasn't he are one you, of hers? Are, are you just throwing shit <laughs> in on his email? Swift has always mined her personal life for opaque fables of love and re- retribution. Wow! She memorializes of romances, fleeting details, wraps them in bows, and buries them to an audience eager to receive her gifts. She writes about a life that's strengthened, not broken by heartbreak. Lover is the suggestion that the right person, the right song, might lift heartbreak from your life too. The concept is, as she claims early on, both overdrawn. Oh, I knew and it. True. I knew it. Keep reading. Oh, and by the way, I should say that the above paragraph is something that I copied and pasted from Pitchfork. <laughs> I thought he Lumberjack was Nick. fucking Lumberjack Nick. Dude, fucking, I swear to God, yes, I thought you were Thank into- you, Eric Struthers, for the birthday wishes last week. It meant a lot. Oh, I, That's why I started throwing John You know who wrote John that for Pitchfork.com? <laughs> Eric. Oh, no, Eric. I'm sorry, man. Uh, 
She's not sticking her ex-boyfriends in there. I'm just kidding. He's, he's a ghostwriter, yeah. Eric, what do you say about Lumberjack Nick's email? <laughs> he's Enrique Struthers. I think you know Eric, what, man. Oh, Lumberjack Nick and I were we we bonded over our admiration for Taylor Swift, and uh, I, I knew the guy was cool, but man, I wasn't expecting him to be as super cool as he is. Surprises us every time. Yeah. Well, thank you, Lumberjack Nick. We appreciate that email. And Eric, does, is this so. is this slowly being infiltrated and turned into a Taylor Swift love fest here? No, Absolutely. As not. much as you like Beyonce, I just have to say. Look, here's the deal. And ah, I realized just like, oh god, he's gonna talk about Taylor Swift. It's a damn, it's a damn good record, guys. It really is. I'm not everything saying about it's good. The I'm songwriting's saying, great. The production not is saying, fantastic. I'm, I'm not hating. I'm just I'm not keeping saying. myself aware of things. That's all. No, I'm, j- I'm joking. I'm, I'm playing with you, Eric. I'm playing. <laughs> oh, well, there it is. I'm sorry, Eric. I, I didn't know you were talking about toast this more. I wouldn't have done it. But I had to do the music minute. And the reason I had to do this is because I found out that Pete is a massive, massive rush nerd. So the music totally minute is being hijacked by the Canadian boys. Because we still haven't talked to Eric about them. Remember, I've always wanted That's to. That's true. That is true. By the way, that whole section is in Morse code. Oh, that's cool. And we're actually talking about good music. Is that why? Oh, Eric. Oh, that wasn't me, Eric. Don't no. start that fight. Don't start that fight. Not when Rush is on. They're Canadian. They're nice. <laughs> okay, so you. what we just heard was YYZ by one of my favorite bands of all time. And I know it's Pete's favorite band of all time. The Canadian <laughs> trio that would be Rush. And I've seen them a shit ton of times. Pete, how many times have you seen them? Uh, 27 times. 27. I think I've seen him 16 or something like that around there. And I know you love them. And I know you play the bass. I want to get your take and Eric's take on the musicianship that is Rush. Pete, I'll go with you first. What is what is it about Rush that you love so much? As a as a bass player, I was just I was always inspired by Geddy Lee. But I think musically, they're just uh, they're able to take that kind of uh, that. I, I grew up as a Yes fan before I discovered oh, yeah. Rush. So did they, and by the way. So, so did they. Yeah. That's right. But Rush kind of took that heavier side of it and, and sort of created heavy prog rock. And they continued to change with every single album. And, and even though people give them a hard time about their, their keyboard eras, I think that that's really important music. And I, I just I love everything about their evolution. And what I think the other thing that's great about Rush is just who they are. They're just they're they actually you could tell they care about each other and the music mm-hmm. it comes through in the music and their performance and i've seen like i just said i've seen them so many times live and and it's always there's joy in this really intensively hard to play music and um and they're, they're just uh uh they're you're always discovering something new about every every time you listen to them and it's uh uh they're, they're just it's just such good musicians top to bottom it's 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 uh it i can't say enough about it yeah no i i'm right there with you i was listening to xanadu today in the car blasting it it's one of my favorite songs it's just it's it sounds like a symphony it sounds like john williams played (laughs) guitar bass and drums to me that's how amazing they are and there's only three guys in the band and anytime i listen to uh, have somebody listen to them they go you're fucking lying there's not only three people in that band yeah there's only three people in that band and they only tour with three people there's no secret guys down there they do everything themselves. Mr. Strothers, yep. please talk about yes. how uh, what, you, what you think about Rush, because I've always wanted to uh, pick your brain about them. They're neat. 
Oh, you want it more than that? <laughs> They're no you. Taylor Swift. <laughs> Rush. I got into Rush very early, like in my musician molding era, where a guy that was a friend of mine's older brother turned me on to him with uh, 2112. And right. it like wrecked me because <laughs> because at that point right there, I'm I'm a child of a certain generation where like guitar was all about like the shreddy spandex wearing big hair, that whole thing. And then you have a band like Rush who is doing these huge prog records that are like these epic long instrumentals that aren't just about like blazing how many notes can we fit in here it's a whole movement and there's all these layers to it and when i heard like the moving pictures album that's when i I was super into it. Oh. It blew my mind that they were that was the spot where they really managed to bridge like the over the top musicianship with song sensibilities that appealed to like a wider audience. Right. You, you know what I mean? Because let's be sure. real. Limelight, you could not Red put Marchetta. out Yeah. Yeah, you could not put out 2112 for example in the mid 90s from a new band and expect it right, to no. be a huge deal. Absolutely That's not. just not the music people were listening to. And and then when you watch the guys, I've never seen Rush in concert. I oh. know it's embarrassing. I know, oh. dude. I know. I've seen buttloads of videos of them playing live. And yeah. j- just to, to see their enjoyment and see how much fun they have and see, honestly, just what an extension of their own person that it is. It's really amazing. And how on earth they managed to play in the like the insane time signatures that they do. I think part of it is that like it's easier to learn how to play the songs they've written. I the hardest thing I have is how do you conceptualize it and do it yourself. That's the thing that blows <laughs> right. my mind, man. But see, they're all epic. Each each guy in their own way. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. It's is, like a perfect storm, right? I mean, yeah, got, it, um, one of the best drummers in history, one of the best bass players in history, and one of the most underrated guitar players um, in history. And and, and what, what do you think about Alex Lifeson's guitar? You being a guitar player, um, is he one of the most underrated guys because he gets overshadowed by those two amazing uh, musicians? maybe but here's the thing man when people judge guitar players they typically always think about like their guitar solos mm-hmm. Th- that's not alex lifeson's strength i mean don't get me wrong the guy's got great guitar solos yeah but it's more about the orchestration and more about his tone and what he does he is a master of filling up space that needs to be filled sonically yeah they don't yeah. they don't sound like your standard rock power trio right because well, alex uses I, I, these Oh, go ahead, yeah. Pete. No, I was going to say, I think, you know, the um, even though the Who is a four-piece, for all intents and purposes, there are three musicians in the band. And I think the Who and Rush are very similar in that those three guys in their own bands are are quality musicians, but just not the same. You put you put Keith Moon and Pete Townsend together and John Entwistle, and that's magic. You put John Entwistle in any other band, 
not the same. I mean, we saw it. I think a really great example is when Getty played with Yes at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, it was cool. It was great to see Getty playing Roundabout, mm-hmm. but it it wasn't. It wasn't it didn't the same. mesh. No. Whereas you know, and Alex, yeah, I think Alex gets overlooked because he doesn't do these Joe Satriani style solos. But the court, uh, Eric, as you know, as a guitar player, the chords he's playing, they're hard chords to even finger never mind play and and jump around from chord to chord so he's he it's all about texture and layering and and the right choices for the right guys in the band that's i think that that's and again and the funny thing is with rush is people who don't like them really don't like them and it's because it's it's just not it's hard to get your i think it's because it's hard to get your your head around what what's happening and it's (laughs) it's it is it is tough there is their musical experience i think in a way well, when you talked to me about it, you said, yeah, oh my God, you're a Rush nerd. And that's how Rush yeah. fans feel. They feel, you feel like you're Rush nerds. Uh, you're yeah, so into exactly. them. Yeah. That's- well, I think there's a weird connection between Star Wars and, and, and Rush and, and sci-fi or, mm-hmm. or fantasy. And, right. and a lot of people say it's because of the lyrics of the old stuff. I don't think that's it. I think it's, there's a, a technicality to it that, that you're drawn to that draws you to sci-fi or fantasy or, or whatever you're into. I think it's, uh, lyrics just so happy. I mean, cause at the end of the day, it's really only a couple albums that are, uh, you know, sort of high fantasy as far as lyrics go. I mean, yeah. mo- moving pictures is not about fantasy. It's like about politics and that sort of thing. So it's, yeah, uh, exactly. it's, it's not about unicorns and dragons. <laughs> so. No, it's definitely not. It's definitely not. <laughs> and man, how you cool were the kimonos they were used to fucking bust. Yeah, out. That's, oh. that's true. That's true. So, something that the people talk about, like with the original trilogy in star Wars was that they had this technology, but everything felt beat up and gritty and kind of working man. Mm-hmm. Oh, like X Wings, yeah. dude. That's Rush. Yep, that's yeah. literally Rush. They are like the working class guys who are doing this upper echelon musicianship and songwriting, but they're still very relatable. Yeah, that's a that's a, a strong parallel. They literally and, have uh, a song called "Working Man." For God's sake, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they do. <laughs> and and honestly, too, back to Alex Lyson, man, his guitar tones really inventive too he uses like huge open strings and lots of lots of lush textures and uh anyway everything they did was groundbreaking and they were always comfortable with who they were i I can't think of really any rush era where i felt like they were trying to conform to what they thought they needed to do next even Mm -hmm. when as they got older and the you know you had songs like show don't tell and all these things yeah, that maybe some stuff. some of the purists didn't love i thought it was great mm-hmm. that's yeah. because they they grew as people and they're just like hey let's try this let's yeah. try this and that's what getty always still says. had that i'm geeking out just listening to you guys man talk about it so yeah. I'm, i remember i took less to see rush and i remember afterwards he goes i'm speechless I yeah i was right? I, I really three dudes were on that stage and all <laughs> that noise was coming from them and i'm like there's no way dude like and they're so it, tight Yes. Yeah. But they've been doing it for 40 years. Yes. So. Those are crazy. So as we're talking about music, I have a theory that I've never shared with anybody. And I wonder if you guys would have a, a thought about it because the music from Star Wars, mm-hmm. I think, so those of us who grew up with Star Wars, we also naturally, you, you've referenced John Williams before. I think there is a natural affinity for film soundtrack as a yes. soundtrack as a result, right? And whether it's John Williams soundtrack or, you know, I got into Danny Elfman for a while mm-hmm. and just you just end up enjoying music a little sure. bit differently. Absolutely. But I wonder if because I think a lot of people who were kids uh, and grew up with Star Wars, a lot of them have sort of an interest in uh, 
heavy metal music, not all of them or, but, and I think, and I tie it back to the, uh, Ben's death and tie fighter attack song, Mm -hmm. because that was my favorite piece of music from, uh, uh, a new hope. And it's a lot of, if you think about it, instead of what's happening, it's like, you can almost hear a metal guitar playing that or a hard rock guitar. So I wonder how many of us, who were connected to the music because the music from the original trilogy almost has a, a hard rock vibe to it. I wonder how much of that influenced us to become music fans wow. as well. Wow. Oh, I know, I know it influenced me to be into music and film music and dissect film music as much as I, and like I always say, uh, music can make or break any movie. I yep. think star Wars was the forerunner in, in getting that big orchestrated sound out there. Well, it's funny you should say that because I've often talked about how classical music is very metal yep. all, all in its own right. And then you take film scores and you take, just for uh, an example, Duel of the Fates. Mm-hmm. That is metal as can be. And yep. when you take, if you, I don't know if you've heard of the band Galactic Empire, but what yep. they did is, that, yeah, and so they had the Ben's Death TIE Fighter Attack on their first album. And what's amazing is that they, the only thing they added that wasn't in the original song were the drums. Mm -hmm. Everything they're playing was straight out of an orchestration of the thing. They're just recreating it on guitars and bass. And that just shows you how metal the songs are. (laughs) But I think, I think you're right because I was so drawn to it. And like, I watched my son. Okay. He's five years old. And he's been doing this for at least a couple years where he can hum with great accuracy the melodies from the Star Wars movies when he's playing. And like I've got a video of him. He's playing with his uh, little galactic heroes like the chunky figures uh, from Solo. And he's like vocalizing his take on the uh, Marauders theme, the Infos Nest theme. Yeah. Yeah. But because it speaks to you and it sticks to you like glue and it does make you think of music and how it relates to your your life more because that's what the film score does. Yep. You're watching a movie, you're hearing this music and you're seeing how the music relates to the life that's happening in that film. Right. Yeah. And so you start doing the same thing with the music you hear and it becomes the soundtrack of your life and it does make you appreciate music in a different way. It's so great that you love them, and, and thanks, Eric, for your, your uh, input on them. I've been waiting for that for a long time. Yeah, very long time, Eric. <laughs> well, I was going to wait for a Patreon music minute if we ever do one, uh, but now I don't. I guess i got to come up with something else. Maybe we'll talk Primus. Oh, dude. We could talk. No, we could talk, go on about like <laughs> like analyze songs. I remember whenever I was young and was figuring out how to play like La Villa Strange Gato, which is one of my yeah, favorites. Favorite. Whoa, hold on. Did he just you – had to, you tried to figure out how to play that, Eric? Yeah, that's – that's oh yeah, dude. That's when my I was favorite. A young man, yeah, Eric. I'm favorite. gonna send you a video of me and my band. We just we play that at bars. Oh, oh my, dope, man. That's my, cool. My drummer's insane. He's insane. I'll oh send my it gosh, to you. that's insane. And and I always remember when I was a kid listening to that song, listening to Alex's solo. He has this melodic solo that sounds like whales talking.
I think it's his best solo. It's I do most, too. It's my uh, favorite or, solo. The entire song. Yeah. 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 I, I just, Eric, did you ever fit? Did, were you, are, can you do it? I uh, yeah. I mean, I could pick back, pick it back up, and get uh, through it. Like there's sections of it I could just do oh right now. We'll see what happens. Pete, you come on to sit with us. We talk about Rush <laughs> for 30 minutes. That's awesome. I'm glad That's I awesome. can. I, I know two people I who can I can't do it on my show. <laughs> yeah. who, who can play La Via Strangiato? You know two people. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Pete and Eric. That's okay. crazy. All right, let's move on from this, and let's get into, we have an email from Kent. Let's see what uh, Kent has to say. Dear Sith listeners, well, I had to open my damn mouth about Spider-Man, didn't I? Hmm. Hopefully it's all a hoax so they can surprise us with an appearance by everybody's favorite wall crawler. Hmm. Anyhow, I've had a few drinks, and I know this is unlikely, but how about an appearance by Conan in the MCU? Hear me out. In the 70s and 80s, Marvel did a lot of licensed comics. G.I. Joe, Transformers, ROM, Space Knight, Godzilla, and Micronauts. With the exception of G.I. Joe, all of those characters interacted with the Marvel Universe. And after after those IPs were lost, they couldn't even show up in reprint collections. Power Man and Iron Fist have an essential collection that's missing an issue because ROM was in it. It seemed like after that, Marvel learned their lesson and no longer had licensed characters meet their regular characters. Fast forward to now, and Marvel has reacquired the license to Conan. Oh, I didn't know that. The character showed up in Avengers No Road Home, uh, which was like a newer series. Is that right? Yeah, just so you guys know. Conan showed up in an Avengers? Yeah, so he's on a team with, uh, I think it's like Captain America, Wolverine. What the shit? Yeah. um, He fits. Yeah, Yeah, I guess it does. And then it led to, and then let me continue reading here. Sure, go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. Which also led to the Savage Avengers, which was like, yeah, She-Hulk and all those guys. Yeah, and him too. He's even going to have, and that's where Blade came back, just so you guys know. He's even going to have a 2099 special. Why would they integrate a character so much into the regular comics if there was a chance that they could never make money off the trade paperbacks? Since Marvel is owned by Disney, does Disney own, now own Conan? Wow, yeah. Yes. Could there ever be a chance that Conan could show up in the MCU? Probably not likely, but I'll blame it on the alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Kent. P.S. Now that She-Hulk, Ms. Marvel, and Moon Knight are getting their own Disney Plus shows, and Kit Harington's Black Knight is showing up in the Eternals, I'm holding out for a Khazar in the Savage Land movie. Good time to be alive. It definitely is, Ken. Thank you for that email. What do you think about all this, Sir Gonzalez? I, I think uh, let's just take the generic answer, which is probably a great answer either way. I think a Disney Plus series is definitely something that could happen. I don't want to say this, but you know, like a Game of Thrones kind of mm-hmm. feel. Yeah, you can say it, but. It's all right to be a Game of Thrones fan now. No, it's cool. I get it. But I'm just saying, like, that's just what comes to mind. Sure. But I I would love to see how much more violent they could do this. They were to try to find a way to bring him to the actual modern day and, like, have him, you know, roaming around in his fur shorts. All right. Like that's, he is. that's what you go to? And You know what I mean? Like, he is. <laughs> it's just, it's just, how is that even going to be, you know, like, it, but it's, it's just questions. Hopefully they don't rip. Yeah, the they're just questions, but I mean, <laughs> it could happen. They could find a way. These they're great. Disney's they're really great storytellers. Uh, tellers, they're terrors too. They are. Well, terrors. that's who they are. Yeah, they don't mess around, do they? Uh, but they're really great, really, really good storytellers. And if anybody can do it and pull it off, it's going to be them for sure. All right. Now the Kazar thing, I think he's onto something. Okay, that well, might actually be cool. That they could do like. Oh man, but Chris Pratt is already doing his own thing. But he could, uh, Savage Land is basically a piece of prehistoric times got preserved. And if you go through a portal, 
There's dinosaurs. Oh, uh, shit. And in Khazar and Shana the She-Devil. Yeah, he has a pet saber-toothed tiger. It's basically Tarzan on, like, acid, which is awesome. This is why you're the comic book guru, my friend. Thank you, Kent, and keep drinking because you're coming up with good emails. Yeah, <laughs> solid. So we're supporting the habit. Now we're going to get into the joke. I'm sorry. We're going to get into Joker because I don't want to say the Joker because people get mad here. <laughs> we're going to watch the second trailer to this together, and we're going to talk about it afterwards. I don't think Eric's seen the second trailer yet. I have not. So let's watch Joker. So Joaquin Phoenix lost a shit ton of weight for this role, by the way. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Hey, hey, hey. Can you please stop bothering my kid? You immediately feel bad for him. Yes. Mm-hmm. Arthur, I have some bad news for you. <laughs> oh, this is crazy. Yep. This is the last time we'll be meeting. You don't listen, do you? You just ask the same questions every week. How's your job? Are you having any negative thoughts? All I have are negative thoughts. And finally, in a world where everyone thinks they can do my job, check out this guy. When I was a little boy and told people I was going to be a comedian, everyone laughed at me. Well, no one's laughing now. You can say that again, pal. Love the music, by the mm-hmm. way. Gotham looks just like New York 1976. It sure does. Zazzy Beats. Oh. For my whole life. I really love the colors of the film. I even really existed. But I do. And people are starting to notice. You think this is funny? Is this a joke to you? It's Thomas Wayne right mm-hmm. there. Uh, Murray, one small thing. Yeah. When you bring me out, can you introduce me as Joker? I love the very last song in this. The, the line is perfect. Oh, dude, uh, oh. goosebumps. So there you have <laughs> the Joker. Eric, I'm going to go to you first because you haven't seen it yet. What's your initial reaction? Dude, I'm sure the movie's going to be phenomenal. And, and this is a this is a thing, and, and it's popped up online, and I'm yep. sure you've heard people talking about it. But you run this risk of, you you hit it right on the head, right at the beginning. You instantly feel sorry for the guy. Yeah. Yep. And you're what you don't want to do is humanize and normalize mm-hmm. fucking monstrous monstrosity behavior. behavior. And it, we actually talked about this on the motivators. And I I wanted the conversation to be about something else. But it, at what point do 
I'm, I'm having trouble. It's a tough one. No, no. I, 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 I it understand. looks amazing. It looks yeah. amazing. And I bet it's going to be phenomenal. The problem is, is what are the repercussions of sensationalizing something like this? Kind of like when Zac Efron was playing Ted Bundy and all of a sudden I realized that a lot of it was tongue in cheek. But when you think about what's going on in the country right now mm-hmm. and issues we have versus what we're seeing in here, here's what we don't want to perpetuate. We don't want to perpetuate the idea that the the downtrodden white male adult. I'm a white male adult, okay? But I'm just saying you don't you don't want to per, to perpetuate the idea that that's a a problematic thing, a an epidemic, if you will. That I, I don't know, man. I I have very mixed feelings about <laughs> it. I, I think I think there's an opportunity to um use it to show the the issues with mental health care. That's exactly right? what and, I think. I think there's an opportunity to say, look. I mean that the whole scene there where he where she says to him uh, or or he says you're never listening I only have bad thoughts and she's still not doing anything about it I, I think I think if if it goes that direction and doesn't glamorize and I I think that's one of the things that was great about even the the Heath Ledger Joker which to me is is going to be very hard to top but I I think it shows that it's just pure batshit crazy that has gone unchecked and this is what happens and and if anything if it can if it can drive toward when these when these flags are thrown you need to respond to them or this extreme happens and i think it may also make a i don't know anything about the movie because i i haven't seen it yet of course like like most people but if it 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 may be a commentary on the on exactly what you're talking about the glamorization of these people who who commit crimes as a result of, of mental illness and you know if, if everybody's wearing joker uh, masks is it because he got the 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 uh the over overexposure that he demands and this is what happens well yeah and, and most of the reviews are extremely positive about the film and right. and most of them at the end of it say it leaves you with a haunting message and how easy somebody can fall from grace if he was ever ever had any grace but so it, I hopefully, Pete, it does that. And we don't know. We haven't seen it. And I know people are jumping to conclusions that it's going to sensationalize it. But, I mean, films have sensationalized this character before, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Nicholson's version of this was very sensationalized mm-hmm. to a point where we really loved him, right? So, Well, I think they loved the performance. They didn't love that Joker was killing millions of people sure, and sure. smothering people with same gas. Thing with, and, same thing with Heath Ledger's mm-hmm. performance. People, right. It's one, considered one of that, the greatest that's performances more the of all theme. time. But when people start saying, like, you look on Twitter and someone, even though it was a joke tweet, still, oh, this is my Black Panther. This speaks to me in so many different ways. Well, that's that's some dangerous shit. shit. Yeah, that's yeah. the point. I haven't like, seen that shit. That stuff is very dangerous when you yeah. start seeing that. And it's like, they're two different things. Right. Like, Black Panther right. and this are two different things. The, the Venom movie, if you're going to say, okay, look, well, they already had a villain movie with Venom. It was a heel turn. Like, we all know what that is. We all already yeah. know what Venom is. But what the Joker stands for, in all honesty, is just insanity. Like, flat-out murderous insanity. And sensationalizing that part. It's one thing to say Joaquin Phoenix is going to be great. Right. That part I'm all good for. But to be like, oh, yeah, this is an origin but of some what, dude what who's going to murder millions made, of people. made us think that they're sensationalizing? Everything it's that not I've so seen, much that. I've seen it, everything I've seen from this trailer is like, 
this guy just is going downhill and he's that's, losing his fucking mind. That's you're right. Nothing is nothing in the trailer, but what the responses are. So th- there's the other side of this coin. So at the end of the day, yes, there's critical response. That's great. But we need to be careful, like Eric said, and, and like everybody else has been saying already. Start sensationalizing. All of a sudden, people are going, well, I like Travis Bickle because he went and blew people away in Taxi Driver. You know what I mean? Like, that's right, but those are things that we have to part, be very careful of. Have we come of. now to a point where we can't watch a piece of art? If Taxi Driver came out today, we wouldn't think of it as one of the greatest films that was made in uh, back then in the 70s. But in today's cinema because people out there might be sensationalized. It just doesn't make fucking sense to me. It, because that's how this world is, dude. Like, let's be yes. honest. That's how this world is, that's man. There's cool. dumbasses out there that would be like, oh, hell yeah, dude. He did it but in I, a movie. I could fucking do that shit, too. I know. I, I do think that part of the challenge, though, is that it's a Joker movie. It's a DC movie, right? And there are iris... I don't want to make a judgment, but at this point, what the hell? Um, <laughs> there yeah, will be like- irresponsible parents that will bring their kids to a DC movie thinking it's a superhero movie, and the wrong people will see it. Now, you and I and everybody on this call right now can go see a movie about... It's a character study about a, uh, somebody who is going south uh, mentally, and, mm-hmm. and what happens with that... You put this movie out as a DC movie related to Batman, the Joker, and it it takes on a little bit of a different, it has a slightly different responsibility. So I'm not saying it's good or bad. None of us have seen it yet, so we don't know where it goes, but I think they're going to face different challenges. And I, you know, we all know Joaquin Phoenix, I I can't think of a a bad movie he's made Mm -hmm. and, and he's going to put in an amazing performance and, and the two and a half minutes from the trailer is haunting and makes me want to see where he goes with it but i absolutely agree with what what you guys are saying is that i think that there's it there's a real risk being taken here that's and i think it's because it's it it comes from comic book pages and it doesn't matter that it's the dc black label it's it's still comic book pages and i think that 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 makes it a challenge to promote and and manage with the the different levels of audience yeah and i think they've done a decent job of trying to separate themselves because they didn't show up at comic-con They haven't showed up to any of the cons. They're keeping this as the $55 million budget, dark and gritty. The DC logo wasn't there. I think it does show up. It does? Okay. Okay. Really quickly. But it's not the same DC. I know you're you're absolutely right, Pete. There are going to be some idiots taking their kids and thinking this is a comic book movie. Mm -hmm. But they're going to be very surprised because this is – I've heard that this is a a film that is in in between Taxi Driver and Mean Streets. Mm -hmm. And that's where it lies. And if that's the case, I'm very excited about this thing. And I have a very strong feeling that they're not going to sensationalize it. You're going to feel this guy is fucked up at the end of this film and you're going to be haunted by what he's become because he's been bullied. He's been treated like shit. And that's what can happen when you do things like that on the internet, out in social landscape. This can happen to people. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, It's it's funny because Les and Pete both hit on something that I was thinking about. As a kid, my dad would take me to go see Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. PG-13, maybe a little bit younger, but, you know, it was something that him and I did. And I would walk out of there jazzed up because it was an awesome movie. I had a great time. I loved Arnold and your action movies. Did I want to go do the things that he did? No. But was I excited? And was it, did it, you know, was I pumped? Of course, of course. But I was level-headed, you know, child and, you know, grew up to be, you know, a, a decent human being. It is a tight rope. It should be traversed carefully especially with children you know and and it is a dc movie what is you know dc's comics and comics are for everybody but mainly towards children so so that's that's a tough road to go down but what i'm hoping that 
the the message that's conveyed in this movie is that the, the crazy thing about the Joker is that he has no powers. He's no no powers. He's a normal right. dude who got pushed to the edge. What I'm hoping that they convey, and it shows that he is trying to get help, whether it's yes. court appointed or just right. on his own or something like that. Right. It doesn't seem like it's the best, so it might might be a coerced uh, situation, but he's trying to get help. What I'm hoping for is that they show that when we all have we all have battles. We all have certain mental issues and things like that. Demons. Demons, exactly. He might have his own. They might be worse than others. All it takes is a couple of shitty people to make anybody a monster. That's what just I'm yeah, just just like uh, you know, just like he says, you know, uh, Heath Ledger said, "See, madness, as you know, is like gravity. All it takes is a little push." <laughs> And that's and that's a sad reality because it's a very true statement. It's a very true statement. What I'm hoping that they that they prove or that they show is, don't do awful things to awful people because you monsters aren't born or manufactured or anything like that. It's their realities. Right. It's their it's you know the places that they're in, the people that they interact with that create the monsters. And that's what I'm hoping happens. Me too, me too. Yeah, because, I think it will. Yeah, you know because I I don't think they'll sensationalize him being a, you know a monster. I think they're going to show that we create monsters as a society yeah. and as people. Yeah. You know, so that's what I'm hoping for. You know, all it takes is somebody to be slowly you know teetering towards one edge, and then somebody's like kicks him off the cliff and he's fucking nuts now. Yeah. That's that's yeah. what I'm hoping that they push and don't be that asshole that even pushes him closer to the ledge and especially don't be that asshole who kicks him off the ledge. Or exactly. off the and edge, and yeah. by the way, the film is R-rated for parents out there. That's so true. Yep. It is R. So Oh, I thought it was PG. No, it's R. Oh, yeah, but, so, but I, saw, oh. I saw Deadpool in a, in a theater full of a couple kids. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's going to happen. They're going to take him and the kids aren't going to enjoy this because I heard it's very, very dark and you come out of there going, holy shit. I doubt there's much action. Yeah, there's per not much like action and there's not there's probably a lot of fantastic, well, it was, yeah. be fantastic it was, performances. It was filmed for $55 million. That's right. So that's that's like a zero budget that's, for, for it a is. major film. So, absolutely, absolutely. Here's, 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 here's my thing here. Here's a question for all of you. If this comes out and it is what the critics say it is, it's an amazing film and Oscar performance. I've heard Oscar for right. him and I've heard Oscar for Best Picture nomination. If it is that film and it becomes this iconic role that Joaquin Phoenix portrays, less as our comic book guru, the Batman movie, the Matt Reeves one, comes out and it does well and it has that same detective feel and they're going to use, I think, the Long Halloween, the 13-issue comic book series to do the right. basis of it. Right. I know they said this is going to be separate, but can they stay away from bringing the Joker to another film? You have to find a way to convince Joaquin Phoenix to do a franchise, a sequel. Yeah, that that is true. Because you got to find a way to bring that actor who doesn't like. That's why he didn't do Doctor Strange. Yeah, he didn't want to do multiple appearances. Yeah, so you got to find a way to get him. him to be. That would have been cool, though, man. To appear mm -hmm. over there, I think that would be the only thing stopping this. And he said that the weight loss because he um, lost so much weight drove him nuts. It drove him nuts. Mentally drove him crazy. Whew. Well, no, not only that, does, do you think as an actor, does he want to touch something that killed? Because weren't, weren't him and Heath Ledger friends? I'm, I'm not sure about that, but, way, but I know that Nicholson talked to Heath Ledger before he did the role. Mm -hmm. and he told him to be careful because the, the role itself and the character itself can make you go batty. So, yeah. how I mean, as 
and has that's great. Like, he's an actor. Joaquin Phoenix yeah. is an actor. Joaquin Phoenix. Well, he's a method actor too. That's true. And Joaquin Phoenix does a lot of. He is the character. He's just yeah. an eccentric individual in general. I don't think he would like to go back into those depths to get to Joker. Okay. Because if this well, is, you know, Heath Ledger came on as the Joker. Yeah. He didn't have to go, like, this movie is him portraying how he got there. Yes, yes. You know yes. what I mean? So he has to fight, start off at this level as an actor and get to a very swilly place as the Joker to turn into that person. Right. So it, it takes a lot to you know, it's a lot of work, especially for someone who's a method actor mm. to start off on a high and trying to make it, you know, into then to be broken and to come out of that as the clown prince of crime. I don't know if he'd rather, if he'd want to touch that again. I'm also excited because the only other high, let's just say quote unquote highbrow comic book film we've ever had is Logan. And that was amazing. Mm-hmm. And if this can come anywhere near Logan, which I think it's going to, and maybe surpass it in a, in a different light, in a different well. light in a totally different light. I think this is going to be a landmark film for comic book films and, or just our films. Let's just hope the message is. Yeah, I do too. I hope the message, what the message I, yeah, I agree. Be. I agree. Because it just show, you know, Hey I, guys, I, you can I, go crazy and come up and make chemical bombs. Let's do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think <laughs> it's going to be that. I don't think you're going to see Joker action figures anywhere on the shelves. Let's hope think, not. I think yeah, what would be interesting is, is after this movie is, is released to, to to listen to you guys talk about the fact that what makes a good Batman or DC movie is the Joker. Because the Batman movies without the Joker have been the second tier Batman mm-hmm. movies. The, mm-hmm. yeah. the Aquaman and and Wonder Woman is as positive and negative as they are. They don't work without the Joker. The reason Batman v Superman didn't work was because the, there was no villain and the Joker is has got some sort of weird hold on, on 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 us as a society. I mean, not to get too deep with it, but I mean, he embodies this sort of freaky, scary thing that we all love, and that's why it works. And maybe Batman doesn't work without the Joker. Just like, not to get too deep, but that's what the story of the Joker is, right? The Joker right. always says, "You won't kill me out of some misplaced sense of self righteousness," and I won't kill you because you're just too much fun i think you and i are destined to do this forever no and it's it's established now it's completely established that once batman as the as the series went on and as the you know creation and writing and all those things once he got to a point where his way of vigilantism was instilling fear they had to go get something else. Like the Joker just came out like, well, look at this, look at who yep. this person is. Now I can come all the way out yeah. and be who I am. Right. So they are at both ends of the spectrum. Like they represent each other. I mean, this is a theme and a trope that is completely, uh, utilized everywhere. You know, the opposite ends of the spectrum, uh, when we're watching unbreakable, uh, Mr. Glass straight out yells it out, man, you know yep. who the villain of the hero is immediately. They're the exact, opposite of each other yep and yeah they complete each other uh he pushes bruce wayne batman's limits and his will to the very very frayed edges of it and then batman has always got to find ways to get to a certain part to be able to bring him back or at least take him down and each time he does it you know in each time he's he gets even more upset in some cases he gets even more upset when 
Dick Grayson comes around because that's the one Robin he hasn't been able to touch. Yeah. Like, it's like, okay, I've never been able to, to corrupt this one or put my mark on this. Yeah, you're right. He's he's needed for sure. And he's definitely very iconic. Well, it's gonna, but I'm saying it's going to be hard now if you're going to get this iconic role by, by Phoenix and you're going to have him in another Batman film as somebody else. So that's why. Well, the stop guy could be the crappy Jared Leto version. You could always just uh, stick yeah. some crappy no. version and no, have another work now. tour de force performance by someone else yeah, going forward. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Right? I mean. Yeah, we'll see. Or you take the break because we didn't really get a, a Joker. And you take a break. And then you get Ledger. But then you. Yeah. Yeah. They, they could do the whole Wolverine thing where, you know, it ends on a high note, you know, with. Uh, why am I blanking on his name? Um, the guy who played Hugh Wolverine. Jackman. Hugh Jackman. Thank you. Where it ends on a high note. And they said that we're not going to bring Wolverine around. For a few years, we're going to let it, you know, lull and stuff like that. And that's going to be everybody's, you know, high point. I'll oh, remember this. And then I'm going to be like, yeah, but look at this new guy. Look at this new guy later. Boo, you become a fantastic podcaster because you're looking at the show just, notes. Just now? Well, just just second. Three years in? Thanks, pal. 150-something episodes. you on a bell curve. Yeah, damn. Let me, let, me, let me tell you why. Because you're looking at the show notes in front of you. No, I'm not. Yeah. No, I'm not. With a big, with a big picture. And <laughs> we're going to talk now. <laughs> Show notes with big pictures. Yeah, exactly. Pictures. Yeah, exactly. Pictures. Damn. Taron Egerton. Taron, Taron Egerton. Whatever his name is. He yeah. is being rumored to be the next Wolverine. And there's a cool picture that they've made him look like, kind of like Hugh Jackman. He looks like a badass in this. And I know Wolverine. I've read the very first Wolverine ever. And I know he's a little dude in that comic. I think this kid, he would be a great Wolverine. And I know that you, Les, are a big fan of Wolverine. What do you say? Because Variety had him on a red carpet. And this is what he had to say about it. I love Marvel and I love the movies and I love the excuse to get in shape. I love to be a part of it. Whether it's Wolverine, realistic or not, I don't know. But I love to be a part of one. And this is getting steam because more and more people are talking about him being the next Wolverine. And he's young enough to carry this thing for 10 years. Yes, he is. And I would be all good with it. Okay, I have no problem with it. I just want to know how wide he would like to get. Because with Jackman, he got really ripped and shredded. And yeah. that's the thing. But he's tall. So his body frame is yeah, stretched. But Wolverine is short and very wide. Like his shoulders are very, very wide. Almost as wide as like the Hulk would be. He's yeah. ultra wide ultra wide so i don't know how big taron i mean we saw tom hardy who's actually a small dude who could probably be a good wolverine also mm -hmm. he would have been a good one but now he can't and he's a little bit older now yeah, yeah so but we old. saw tom hardy bulk up for bane oh shit but now he's you have to see eggsy here get big and then shred it all like shred it even more than henry cavill did for man of steel <sighs> Like that's he has to do like and you forget cut. how awesome Hugh Jackman looked for the lat for like uh what was it Days of Future Past? Yeah, he I know. Amazing. I, like, I know, man. He's, he was shredded. He set the bar, by the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was shredded. So that's the only thing. I know he says he'd love a great excuse to get in shape. That's all that would be holding him back. 
I think he can do it. In all honesty, these guys can. It. These guys can gain yeah. sixty pounds of muscle with. I just, I just don't years. know if they're going to wait five years. They're not going to wait five years. And then go, okay, Eggsy, come on over here and let's get this going. Dude. I think he would be great. He is a short dude, actually. While you were talking, I looked up a, I looked him up on on the phone, and he's he's shorter than Hugh Jackman, so he would be, mm-hmm. he might be a more classic comic book right. uh, Wolverine than Hugh. But I, you know, just like hugh jackman has really he's created what we expect for wolverine so uh i don't know i think he could do it i think it'd be cool if they you know if they're going back a couple years or however they whatever story they want to tell yeah eric uh do you remember hearing that glenn danzig was one of the one of the finalists (laughs) i swear to god yeah no 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 No, it's legit no no, he lobbied he lobbied he he, he, he's cosplayed as him on stage yeah yeah and he got a shot to do a uh like a uh, he's short enough. Yeah, he's short enough. And he's stocky enough, but yeah, um, yeah, that's crazy. And I'm not Eric, by the way. Eric should be in. Yeah, I'm sorry, Eric. <laughs> do you do you remember hearing about that, Eric? I do, man. And yeah. uh, the thing is with Dan, <laughs> with dancing, <laughs> he he's had the look for a long time. It sure has the facial yes, he hair has. and everything, and so I feel like he never <laughs> got his shot. Poor guy. He's he probably still wanting to do it. Well, I you know, I think it's time now, though, to get into our final segment, and that is the flash round with Pete. Pete, are you ready for the flash round? I I suppose I am. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna ask you some questions, and you're gonna give us answers that come straight from the top of your head. No waiting around. First thing that pops up. This could be dangerous. All right, <laughs> that's the point. No, it's not gonna be. It's not gonna be, it's not gonna be, it's not gonna be too bad. It's not gonna be too bad. All right, here we go. Here goes the show. It's time for the flash round. This is where we try to figure out what's in that big old noggin of yours. You ready? Good luck. Favorite boy band of all time? Uh, the Beatles. That's a safe one, <laughs> son of a Tupac or Biggie? Tupac. Nice. Favorite cereal? Uh, I have Raisin Bran. Nice. Favorite non-Star Wars movie? Favorite non- uh, Blade Runner. What would be your lightsaber color? Uh, blue. Han, Luke, or Poe? Luke. Well, I know this question. Favorite band or music artist? Okay, forget that question. <laughs> Getty, Alex, or Neil? Getty. <sighs> of course, you're a bass player. <laughs> Favorite cuss word? Fuck. Yeah, solid. Yep. Solid. <laughs> Rogue One or Solo? I think we know the answer Ro- to this. Uh, solo. Yes, I, I figured that one. Whoa. Yeah, I, I love Solo too. I love but Solo. But I, I mean, I love Rogue One though. God, I love Rogue One. Best Rush song? Uh, best Rush song? Red Barchetta. Oh. Okay, Best Rush album as a whole, Ooh, uh, top to bottom, it's got to be Moving Pictures. Pictures. Yep, I hate I hate to be pull the generic one, but that's no, no. From to. from start to finish, that is the the greatest album because it starts off with Tom Sawyer, ends with Witch Hunt. Correct? No, ha- no, it, it ends, ends with, with Vital Signs. Vital Signs, Vital Signs. But every song is just amazing on that album. Good, good yes. choice on that one. Okay, this is a very important one. Okay. Okay. Okay, very important. Probably the most important one. Beyonce or Rihanna? I'm going to say Rihanna. And that's all we have tonight for the synth. Damn it. I feel like I let you all down with that. You, no, you let me down. You let no, me down. No, just a rush. You actually made the rest of us happy. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, 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 no. Thank you. Easy Thank you. No, no, no. Easy Rihanna's, because, Rihanna's beautiful. Agree with the, it's not because we agree with the answer. It's because oh. we like seeing a Raj getting I'll get down. bummed out. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 do, I, I do dig that. Uh, here's a question. Uh, if you were, um, let me say this for you, in a way where I won't get any DMs. Okay. If you had to go to prom with one of them, who would it be? 
Rihanna. Ah, oh, fucking A. Yeah, because you'd have a <laughs> blast. No. You fucking kidding I think, me? Yeah, Rihanna looks like you're going to have a good time. Okay. Well, I'll give you that. I like you so much, Pete, and you like Rush. I won't, <laughs> I won't bust your balls with that one. <laughs> Pete, this has been a such a fun episode for me. One of my favorites of all time. I got to talk a little Star Wars, a little, a little Rush. I got to talk, get into some fucking social topics with the Joker. I'm sorry, Joker. Let people know where they can find you on Twitter, where they can listen to your, your great podcast and all that good stuff. Yeah, cool. So uh, on Twitter, the best way to get me is uh, ATGCast, Around the Galaxy, ATGCast. Um, and uh, you can find uh, the show either on makingstarwars.net or uh, ATGCast.com is the best place to get me. And uh, you'll also find all my writing and all that stuff on ATGCast. And, and all that stuff will be on our show notes. So just click it and go listen away and read away. Some great stuff there. Awesome. Mr. Strathers, where can people watch your little falcons? <laughs> I'm not sure if that's some crazy euphemism or what, but uh, <laughs> you know, check out check out my other podcast, The Bad Motivators, where we talk mostly about Star Wars in a somewhat intelligent manner. You can also hear that dope who got what theme that uh, our buddy Robbo put together <laughs> for us every week and uh, yeah man follow me on Twitter at Eric Strathers to see all my goings on Mr. Carlos Borguel where can people see that caterpillar on your front upper lip <laughs> uh, uh, I, with that description probably their nightmares I would imagine <laughs> Let's be honest here. Some yeah, some dark shit. Uh, but you, uh, I don't know where you could see me, but uh, you can you can find me on Twitter at the Sith Lisbo. <laughs> Mister Crunch, Crunch Atlas is worth seventy eight on Twitter. Yeah, Let's just, just jump, jump in front of on in there and get it. it done. Yeah, just it. jump in front of the That's train, right. right? Damn it! Well, you can find me at the Sith List, and we will catch you next week on episode number one sixty two of the Sith List.
to see the sacred river out, to walk the caves of ice, to break my fast on honeydew, and drink the milk of paradise. Sorry, we had the laminates. So we thought it was okay to just come in here, but we can totally get out of your hair no, if you need fine. us to. We're it's fine. Uh... We're fine. It's fine. Hi, guys. Hello. How do you do? My name is Sidney Fife, and this is uh, my man, Peter Clavin. Hello. <laughs> and we're just the biggest Rush fans in the history of the planet Earth. The biggest. Right. Again. Because we would do these Rush jam sessions oh in the man cave. You're what? Oh, that's my garage. I'm sorry. 
Um, you guys should totally come hang out sometime. It's just like guys being guys. We jam out, yeah. we hang out. Um, I have a jerk off station. You know, the first uh, uh, song that we ever uh, uh, jammed out to uh, was uh, Tom Soye. Yeah. And uh, we, you know, we couldn't do the drums. No one can do the drums like you. What did you call that song? Oh, I know it's Tom, uh, you, it's called Tom Sawyer, but I love it in, in the song when you go, uh, you know, modern day warrior, mean, mean, try today's Tom Sawyer, mean, mean, pride. I don't think I say it like that. No, I'm pretty sure you say Tom Sawyer. Look, guys, it's been a long night. Oh, tote, 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 mug out. Uh, where will I just got to say though, to, uh, before I go, that was such a sweet ass set. Uh, I was, I was. I was like, oh, freak, freaking out. Guys, you gotta go now, all right? Now. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Let's get out, let's get no. out of their head. They, Peter, they, no, hold on. Guys, listen, it's my friend's birthday today. So I got him tickets to your concert, which are not cheap, by the way. We grew our show beards just for you. So the least you could do is sign my friend's nine string. You got a double neck? Do you know how to play that thing? I, I, I have a... Uh, you know, to slap at the bass uh, big time. <laughs> Is he talking like a leprechaun? <laughs> Everybody says that. No, it's my. Um, it's like a crib. It's like my Rasta guy. It's like a beer simon. Hey, can I check your laminate there, dude? Whoa, it's legit leaflet. It's all access. Hey, Dirk, check this out. Mm -hmm. Is this a fake or what? Three C's in access? Come on. You told me your buddy Ethan worked at the record label. My buddy Ethan works at Kinko's. I'm gonna get someone to come down here and kick your ass okay. unless you get out of here now. I think we understand we're not wanted. Finally. Thank yes. you for the sandwich. No, leave it. Go, well, guys. I've already taken a bite. So sorry, Rush. There's no Dirk and Rush. That's a nickname. Like Jobin. Go. Well, who carries around a walkie-talkie? Sorry, Rush. Why? Why did you fake the laminate? I'm sorry. Okay, I really am. I just... I wanted your birthday to be special. I know, but now Rush thinks we're idiots. Hey, Peter. You forgot something. Happy birthday, man. You keep slapping that bass.